Hey everybody, welcome to Marcy Unplugged. I always bring you little treats and crazy little fun surprises. Today is no different. We have my friend Stefan Georgi. Uh, and it's, it looks like Georgie, but it's actually Georgi because there's an I, not an E at the end. Um, and he's going to be coming on to show to share quite a lot of fun stuff. My cat's trying to break into my office because cats tend to do that. Literally moved home and they're already like breaking into things. That's what animals do. <laughs> that animals is what they do. Yeah. Just a real quick shout out to our sponsors for this episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. If you guys go check out um, copyandfunnelaccelerator.com forward slash outline. Links will be in the description and the show notes as always. Uh, you guys can actually get a free copy of uh, Stefan's sales letter outline. And his private TNC mastermind presentation, which I actually have seen because I was on Justin's list. I got to have a look at it. It's phenomenally good. You guys should definitely go check it out as well. Uh, the other sponsor for the show, as always, is adelamarcy.com forward slash blog now. Actually, we have forward slash podcast as well. Um, you guys can go there, listen to previous episodes, hang out with us, and you know, just get to know what we do behind the scenes. Uh, with that being said, Stefan, it's great to actually get you on the on the show. I mean, I reached out to you. I had no idea that you'd respond back to me, by the way. Just like, I just thought, he's either going to say yes or tell me to fuck off. One of the two. <laughs> yeah, no, it's great to be here. I really appreciate you reaching out. And um, no, I mean, I love talking about copy and marketing. And so pretty much any opportunity I, I get to do that, I will. And so I was really honored uh, to, to hear from you and for you to ask for me to, to come on. For sure. I mean, like it was, um, I think I actually got, I didn't, I think the first person that told me about you was, I want to say Kevin Stark. I think he's the guy that told me first about really? you. Really? Yeah, because yeah. Tony Grebmeyer was out in the UK like in 2018, like February 2018 for Affiliate Summit West. And this is before Tony and I started working. We'd only just met properly, so we'd spoken a little bit. And we're at this like meeting. We're all getting together, me, Kevin, Tony, and um, oh my God, how am I drawing blank? he's josh we're all sat there right. together and uh tony's doing like a little one-on-one -on -one with this other lady g she's lovely and uh he just leaves me kevin and josh to talk and of course you know what it's like inside sometimes a copywriter's brain and you definitely know this because you're actually <laughs> out there where you can't help yourself you just see right. something your mouth goes huh i know how to fix this and just goes so we were talking about cricket supplements and we started really getting down that path and he turned around to me and he just like kevin and josh both look at me and go do you know stefan or stefan <laughs> um wait do you prefer, prefer it as stefan or stefan uh stefan but people say stefan all the time and i don't even really correct them and it's not like <laughs> people get weird about that and and you know they're like oh come on man it's your name but i'm like yeah but it's like it's just not worth the energy and i've been called stefan since i was like I, you know, born basically. So, um, it is Stefan, but if you say Stefan, I'm not going to hold it against you, especially with your accent. Like Stefan just sort of, it sounds does flow. Nice, yeah, it does it's sound just, good. It sounds really classy. Yeah. Good, good old British accents, but just to quick, <laughs> like, dude, I get the same thing with my name. I've actually learned, I learned how to do this, which is funny because I hate that word, but it, it's a thing I did when I was, I think 20 years old, like two years into my copywriting career. Everyone kept going, hey, a deal, what's going on? I was like, it's not a deal. It's That's another dude. My name's Adil. Think Advil minus the V. And they're like, what? I was like, exactly. I take away your marketing headaches. Just hire me. And they used to be like, that's actually pretty good. Just do that. I was like, yeah. Dumb side note. Um, I basically only realized this about six, not even six months ago, like three months ago. 
that there are three A's in my name. So for 11 years, almost 12 years, I could have gone as the triple A rated copywriter, yet I didn't. There was an opportunity missed, but I took advantage. It's fine. We're good. But going back to it, so I'm sat there with Tony, with um, Kevin, and we're talking about a cricket supplement. And we just go back and forth and goes, hey, do you know Stefan? I was like, no, I don't know him. He goes like, you should reach out to him. And at that point, I think I was just really, because I have this weird thing in my head where I'm like, uh, I call it the Mark Ruffalo effect, where in certain circles, I get like the fanboy thing happened to me where people were like, oh my God, you're Adel, you did all this amazing thing. I was like, oh, I'm just a regular guy because I don't feel like I would be on stage and shit. Right. But then at the same time, when I meet other copywriters like yourself or get told to connect with you guys, I get all shy in my head going, do you know who you are? <laughs> it's like, dude, they're just a regular guy or a regular woman. They're, they're just normal. <laughs> so Totally. Uh, so yeah, that was it. And of course, Justin and you teamed up and uh, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to reach out to him and get him on the show. So there is one thing in particular that Justin kept hopping on about. That I was like, if I ever get to interview this guy, it's the first question I'm going to ask him. So you, I hope you're ready for this. Sure. How the hell do you write a VSL in like four days? <laughs> like, seriously, I, I mean this with the utmost love and respect, but fuck you, dude. <laughs> seriously, <laughs> putting all of us out of work. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the, um, the the loving cussing, but um, yeah, you know, it, it was it's like really the process, and I've I've you know in the last I guess six months, really the last year, I did a copy intensive last April, almost a year ago exactly, and I kind of taught my process for the first time at a live event, and then I'm teaching it in my copy uh, accelerator mastermind with Justin now, but it, it's really process driven and process oriented, uh, so. It's what I call the RMBC method, which is research, mechanism, brief, and then copy. Um, and really, in a nutshell, what that is is spending. I spend a lot of time on like forums more than anything else, but getting inside the head of like the market. Um, you know, really understanding who they are and what their pain points are. Taking a lot of their language. So when I'm in those forums, like whether it's a keto forum or a gun forum or yeah, we have someone in our mastermind who's doing a keto kind of crockpot offer. And, you know, he was, the copy's looking pretty good. And he's a very good copywriter. Uh, but, you know, we felt like he still wasn't quite connecting with the audience. And I, I was like, this was just yesterday. But I'm like, have you actually been to crockpot forums? And he was kind of like, yeah. I'm like, oh, really? Because I found like this quilting, there's like a quilting forum that has a whole sub thing about crockpots. Um, and he was like, well, no, I've only been on Reddit. And it was like, that's fine, but I'm not sure how much these hardcore crock potters are hanging out on Reddit versus, you know, quoting forum or there's actual crock pot forums. And so the point being, uh, you know, I go there, I, I find out what they're talking about, what's kind of getting the most views the most comments, the most replies. And then I'm definitely looking for their pain points, their victories, their failures, all those sorts of things. And I'm writing down a lot of their kind of comments in their own words and their own language, because when I write the copy, I'm going to use, uh, their own language to them. So I'm going to speak to them literally in their own language, in their own words. Uh, so the research part is obviously super important. Um, the mechanism component is, is then broken down into like, what's the unique mechanism behind the problem and the unique mechanism behind the solution. And it's really vital to understand both of those things. So where I think a lot of copiers can stumble is that they'll look at the mechanism behind one of them. So maybe they'll show you like, you know, oh, here's the the real reason why you failed and they'll present the problem or the solution, but they won't really 
tie them together in this really cohesive way. Whereas I'm trying to find a unique reason why they haven't had success in the past, like the, the missing 1%, because we want to be something where it's like you, you knew 99% of the information, like you're smart, you know, it's not like you're dumb, like you're smart and you had almost all of it. You just didn't realize this one kind of counterintuitive thing. Here's the proof that what I'm saying is true. And now that you understand that, you also understand the real reason why you haven't had success in the past. And because of that, here's how the solution is going to change things for you so you don't keep repeating the same mistakes because here's why the solution is unique. Here's the mechanism behind the solution. It takes this one missing thing and breaks it down in this easy-to-apply way, whether that's a supplement and the nutrients or you know, it's as easy as taking one pill per day of this, this sort of well-formulated supplement with this missing you know, kind of a nutrient complex or if it's a you know, biz-op thing and it's like you, know, you were missing sort of this your upsells weren't kind of strong enough and you were you you're, you weren't getting enough lifetime value or whatever it is something that that kind of shows them that then i do um the brief which is essentially like my outline where i'm asking or answering questions about who the market is what their pain points are which i've got from my research kind of uh that i've previously done i'm looking at you know the unique mechanism and writing that there i'm looking at uh, metaphors i can use to describe the solution and even the problem I'm writing out what the product actually is, and I'm trying to do that in terms of copy. Uh, I'm looking at paradoxical questions, which are sort of these intuitive questions people may ask. And so, for example, the the one I always go to is uh, Dan Reutman with, with Pimsleur approach or method or whatever it was, which is a language learning software or program that uh, the question was like, why is it that it's so easy for a little kid to learn a language, but so hard for an adult to learn a language? And you think about that and you're like, yeah, why is it? And it's like, well, because kids learn in this really innate, intuitive way, but then we have these weird, poorly designed curriculums for adults that just aren't at all related to how children learn. And so our solution, our product is going to teach you to learn a language intuitively like a child would. And so there's an implication of it being much easier. And you know, if a child can learn languages, I can learn languages too. So it removes this sort of objection or fear that you're going to fail and so I'll actually kind of think of what a good paradoxical question will be for my offer. You know, maybe it's like a heart offer and you're just like, why is it that you never hear of like a teenager having a heart attack? Uh, and you're like, well, because their hearts are strong, but over time, you know, some unique thing happens that makes your hearts, your heart kind of a degrade and, and become weaker. And this is like a special way to strengthen your heart or, you know, it can, but it can be anything. And so, and I, oh, I'll write the story in the brief too. So I, it's, and I'm going to give a caveat to this in one second, but just to finish this. And then once I have all that, I go to my actual sales letter. I have a pretty templatized outline, which is available on the link that you mentioned, the copy and funnel accelerator.com forward slash outline. Um, and so using that, it can be pretty uh, systematic as far as just checking all of the boxes for the different parts of the copy. So like the lead, the background story, the which is also kind of the discovery story, the unique mechanism find the problem, the unique mechanism behind the solution, the product build up and then reveal uh, the close and FAQs. And so having it all broken down like that, and I'm, it's clearly a pretty macro level, um, you know, that helps tremendously. It also helps when the client is good. And by that, I mean, they, I recommend it'll copy a lot faster when they have a good product, if there's a good story there already, or even if they don't know what the story is, if you can talk to them and because of their experience and who they are, like, you know, you can, you can dive, dive in and find that story. I think, you know, I was actually in my mastermind yesterday looking at, um, we, we spent a whole session doing headlines, Justin and I, and, and 
we were dissecting headlines and the elements of headlines. And it was a really fun kind of session. And to prepare for that, I was looking at kind of my John Carlton swipe file that I have, which is, uh, you know, there's like three parts to it. And he kind of writes prefaces before every sales letter that is in the swipe file. And, you know, the, it just was, first of all, I totally fell back in love with John Carlton because I'm like, God, this guy was so good, both oh, of his headlines and, and everything else. Oh, insanely so, good. He was actually my first uh, surrogate mentor, believe it or not. That's amazing. That's awesome. So that's, that's, and it's just, a good mentor. I <laughs> just want to jump right in because I was going to say this. Um, what you were describing, and I just want to go ahead and tell everyone, I say this with the utmost love, but you sneaky motherfucker. You, seriously, because like the process that you're using is so similar to mine. Really? The, yeah, because I have the exact same process, but um, I yeah. have it with one difference. Whereas you focus on the what the audience is going through in that sense, I do that with what my client's doing. Mm. So for me, I reverse engineer it from the client's perspective. It's like, why did you create this product? What were you trying to achieve? Right. And then from that, I go to the, for some really weird reason, I've got like a really good ability to just like put my hand on the market and go, oh, I know what they want and I can sell them this thing. Um, <laughs> but that aspect of what you're talking about actually is like another level that I, that I'm actually going into by the time the show comes out. It's something I would have already been doing. Right. Um, Cause the heavy, the research part is the thing that I really, I wouldn't say I'm the biggest fan of, but I actually really enjoy talking to like people. So I always right. get like a couple of people that my clients sold to before, ask them what's going on and reverse engineer from that. But that's one. And two, what I want to say is I have a very similar process in the way that I write my uh, sales copy. I actually have, a templated piece that I actually teach, um, except for like 15 or 16 uh, pieces. It's like headline, subheadline, prehead, all the other stuff like kind of comes in together in very conformed structure. But the reason I wanted to just say that when you were talking about John, uh, I'm still trying to get him on the show because it's been a while since I've spoken to him. Right. Um, and he doesn't do podcasts as much, um, like for other shows as much. But like that guy is, I owe him so much. Like, I oh, learned how to write copy off his blog. That's how good that's his awesome. blog is. Yeah. And quick shout out to anyone, like, john-carlton.com. If you're aspiring to be a copywriter, go read that. Even if you're not and just want to be entertained, go check it out. The guy's freaking gold. Yeah. So I had 100%. to throw that love in there for him. No, totally. I, I agree. I've, I've never met him or anything, honestly. I, I, what's kind of weird about me is, like, I, I didn't study, like, a ton of, like, the greats as I was coming up. I did have some good mentors, for sure. Um, but then sort of, and then later on I started getting access to like swipe bios and things like that and started looking and it inspired me. And, and even today, I mean, um, one of the great things I love about running this mastermind with Justin is, you know, because I'm, I'm teaching and talking about copy, uh, we have a weekly training, but on top of that, there's a really active Facebook group where people are bringing stuff and we're giving them feedback like every day. I mean, there's a lot of posts per day and it's kind of time consuming, but uh, it's it forces me to just be very copy obsessed, which I have been historically, but then over a long career, I mean, and of course you could laugh, some of the OGs will laugh because it's like 10 years. So I, I get it. It's not like, not even 10 years, it's like eight <laughs> years. So again, it's not that long, but you know, for me as a 33 year old man, it's like a big portion of my adult life has been, you know, devoted to copy. Um, and as I, as I read and review swipes and I just get so inspired where I want to like, I'm like, I want to do better than whatever I'm seeing. I want to, I want to beat this or I want to take this element and add it to my copy. Uh, and so I, and, and I guess one point there is like having continuous humility because like I sold, you know, a ton of stuff like, uh, you know, through my copy and I get high paying clients and I have this 
mastermind with like 60 plus people in it who are all like super high level. So it's like, I could sit around and just be super high on my own. I don't want to cuss too much. I guess because I'm a big cusser. I'm being conservative today, but you know, I don't be too high on my own supply is the point. Like, um, because there's still tons of stuff for me to learn. I can improve dramatically always. I can get better and, you know, staying motivated, hungry and inspired is so important. So, you know, taking the time to, to even like once a month, like go in and look at, like, you know, swipes and, and just even if it's like a couple and, and it's, I think it just was one of the best ways to continue to maintain a high level of excellence with your copy. And, um, to finish the thought of John Carlton too. I mean, one, one thing he talks about is a story and how he just is constantly looking for that story. And when he's with clients, he's looking for clients who have the story or he can tease out the story. I mean, one of the ones I, uh, we looked at yesterday from a headline perspective was the, the one-legged golfer, oh, which is classic. like, you know, it's a super classic. Right. And I, I pulled it up here, right. One, when to slash strokes from your game almost overnight. Amazing secret discovered by one-legged golfer adds 50 years to, or sorry, 50 yards to your drives, eliminates hooks and slices, and can slash up to 10 strokes from your game almost overnight. And there's a great subheader after that. Um, and like he talks about in his swipe file where he's like basically it was like a friend at the bar telling the story about how like this one-legged golfer like it's kind of like a funny story, which makes sense. So your buddy's like, you know, here I am trying to have a good golf game, and this one-legged golfer is smashing drives and they're all going straight and but his friend like thought it was like a total throwaway story and you know john heard it and was like this is the greatest like hook for a golf offer like ever <laughs> um and so just being super you know kind of uh, attentive and, and and story driven and obsessed i think is really important and i i think you know people especially with compliance now right a lot of people want to write really compliant copy like facebook compliant copy gdn compliant native compliant and for some reason they think that means they can't tell a story but it's just not the case at all. I mean, I, I think story is always going to be uh, just so vital and it's almost always going to help you increase conversions and, and sort of help you to connect with your, your reader more so. And, and so, uh, yeah, I love that John does that. And, and, you know, I guess back to the, the process there, the story is really an important part as well. And then the last thing I'll say to you about writing fast is like not being ashamed to swipe. And I, and I do mean swipe and I mean ethically swipe. I don't mean going in and copying and pasting what other people have done, but yep. You know, whenever there's a, if there's a control or a winner in the market, uh, you know, and I feel like I can put my own spin on it and, and kind of make it better, then I'll do that. And that, you know, increases my time to write the copy dramatically. And I don't ever have the ego to feel like I need to like create like a new original work of art because I feel like if I can just take what already exists and innovate upon it, um, you know, first of all, I get, at the end of the day, what matters is like sales for my client or if it's my own offer for myself. Uh, you know, and that basically it's a profitable venture for everybody. And if, if I can do that through innovation and cut out like weeks of time, I'm, I'm going to do that like every time. That's excellent. And that is actually really, really smart because something I don't do enough of is swipe um, at all. And ethically swipe that is, of course. Right. I should be doing more of that. But something that I'm really glad that you mentioned, and I want everyone else to hear this. Now, to give you an idea, because I don't think we, I don't think you actually know this about me, um, but I've been writing since I was like, I've been writing direct response since I was 12. Well, so awesome. I went pro at 18. I'm turning 30 this year. So like I'm almost a 12 year veteran, give or take, even though I don't feel like one, like John Benson, and I were having this conversation. And he literally looked at me and went, yeah, the fact that you actually started so young is going to piss a lot of people off. So don't put that in your copy for your course. I was like, <laughs> okay. He was like, change this up. I was like, fine. But in that meantime, something I promised myself very early on in my career, and I want everyone listening that is aspiring to be a copywriter or even is, heed this advice from two people um both myself and stefan which is pretty much study take yeah. time to study because here's the thing 
there is a reason why you write copy out by hands by hand um it, it just teaches you good manners that's like step one of like 100 and every like 10 steps or so is pick up some swipe copy dissect it like start actually dissecting copy figure out what makes a good headline figure out what makes a good story and it's really funny that you actually mentioned this as well because it's my process for finding stories is what was your defeat what was your victory and how'd you get there right and i yeah. love like you do it for again like i said you do it for um audiences i do it for my clients so i'm like ah it's like a tag team of these two great things that are exact same but they actually work <laughs> in two different areas so that's something i really am quite glad that you actually brought up with in terms of like swipes and such do you because again this is a really daft question because i think i already know the answer but i'm gonna ask anyway because i know someone out there is thinking it do you actually just swipe from like your the same markets or do you actually go all around like all rounder like you go hey i don't have anything in the dating world but i'm gonna go swipe some high converting copy in the dating world that's actually there to be you know that we can use yeah it, well i mean of course it will depend I, I'll, I'll generally first and foremost look in the same market if possible um but then there, there's a lot of cross-pollination too i mean even for i just did a um like a stem cell related offer for a client i, I literally just finished the copy on Monday, uh, and like it, you know, it was I was feeling pretty good with the initial draft. But one thing I did is I started going to like my swipe file and I started looking at some random beauty like VSL. And I say random, but I, I I think it was like successful on ClickBank back in the day or whatever. And I was looking at some of the dimensionalized language about uh, like you know hair, skin, nails, like, like radiant skin and the glow and the wrinkles, um, the wrinkle lines like on the sides of your mouth disappearing and just like really cool descriptive language. And so I was like you know, man, like, well, the whole thing with like stem cells is you're kind of growing younger and you're, you're restoring the cells in your body. And, and that includes like your, you have skin stem cells, organ stem cells, like uh, cartilage stem cells. So I'm like, this is great usable language. And so I just kind of grabbed some language from this VSL from like six years ago and, and, and a small amount, like a couple of lines about, you know, just physical beauty and basically just plop them into my sales letter. And I think I made it better. And I changed it up a little bit. Um, and so, you know, those are both kind of health related, but Again, it's it's like I didn't. It's not like there was like I have to find the only other control out there on a stem cell thing, and I can only kind of like swipe or borrow from that. It's like what other you know a lot of copy, especially if it's telling you most copy is is, is most good copy is is selling you the promise of like a a better future version of yourself, right, and a better future state. And so no matter whether it's like a self defense like letter or a dating letter or a health letter or whatever it is, you're gonna find like really cool what you know kind of dimensionalized and by that i mean sort of multi-layered deep descriptions of how great life will be and how you're going to feel and how people are going to respond to you and so i think you know you can take that from almost any sort of vertical or niche and apply it to what you're working on so uh yeah i definitely will look or again you know you can always just take if there's a great headline like you know going back the one-legged golfer thing uh, you know i the one-legged thing is kind of done now but like you know for example it could be like one-legged uh like, uh, I don't know, mall security guard, like takes down five armed robbers or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you could just sort of take it for self-defense. You can, you can, you can definitely cross pollinate and, and take ideas from one sort of category or, or niche and then apply them to another. And I, I definitely do uh, that. That's good because that's something that a few, a lot more people should do. Um, I've seen it. I don't, it's like the coaching world is the perfect example of this. It's that they've all figured out what one of the pain stories are and they've right. gone, right. We're all going to have the same one. <laughs> like, guys just shut up no it's not how we do things like bad copywriters that tell you to do this 
like hit him in the face with like a newspaper um yeah. or like a roll of like swipe swipe files you know just roll print them off roll them up smack them in the face should be completely fine. <laughs> i think i totally. need to start doing that to my copy cubs just start walking around just hit them in the face like with a newspaper and be like bad copy and see what they do <laughs> they'll probably should, kick I, my ass i um i do have two other actually points i think that are yeah, worth making um that just crossed my mind but you know, one of them is, is going back to writing stuff out by hand, you know, and, and I, I include typing, right? But if I'm trying to be to control, especially in an area or a vertical where I don't have a lot of experience, um, you know, again, I'll, I'll generally find whatever the kind of control is. So if it's like a VSL, for example, and I'll sit there and I will, you know, assuming, thank God, everything has like a pause button now. And even though I could go to rev.com and get like a transcription or, you know, might say read the text transcript, I will still... Uh, you know, watch the entire VSL and then write, writing every line as I go, pausing when I need to pause to catch up. Uh, and I will do that all the time. And that ties into the second point I kind of want to make, which is kind of what I already said, but, but I think it's really important for copywriters to not get lazy. And I don't even mean that in a disrespectful way. I mean that in the way of once you've had some wins and some successes, it's really easy to sort of just feel like you know it all and start taking shortcuts. And I think that that is so detrimental to a lot of people. And it probably explains why they get frustrated because they end up having a couple winners and then some bombs and then they go through this crisis of confidence and, uh, you know, it can happen to everybody even over, you know, a decade or two decades or whatever it is. And I think by, you know, continuously, you know, reviewing swipes, doing things like writing out stuff by hand, like I just don't ever feel like you're too, this is advice for copywriters who are listening to this, I guess, but don't ever feel like you're, you're kind of above it or that you're, you know, you're now too advanced for this stuff and that, you know, you already know it all, like already know how to write great headlines. I know how to write great headlines, but you want to also love doing is looking at great headlines and realizing, oh crap, there's a million things I could be doing that I'm not. Uh, And so I just wanted to, I guess, instill that advice if there are aspiring copywriters listening to this. For sure. No, I agree with you. Uh, billion percent um it's having that student mindset it's one of the reasons why i think when i started the show i joked about saying i'm the i feel like mark ruffalo (laughs) in like in the copywriting world because for the people that don't know what that is or maybe i don't think i explained to you whenever you see mark ruffalo on like the red carpet he always looks like fascinated by his (laughs) co-stars like seriously watch him he's like wow you're paul rudd and right. Paul Rudd like played up with this and turned around and was like, you're Mark Ruffalo. Like, oh my God, like they, they have this weird little thing they do. I'm like, that's so cool because in my mind, I adopted that learner platform, which is why, again, like to give it like, Stefan, you'd, you'd be able to actually acclimate this and validate this, but over a 10, like nearly 12 year career, doing $530 million in trackable sales for your clients is considered yeah. pretty damn good, especially when you've done about 12,000 campaigns and only lost maybe about 200 of them. Right. That's pretty good odds that you're a good copywriter. Right. Here's the thing. Every time I fucked up, always messed with me. What got me out? Going back to study. Genuinely, every time I studied at Headlines and went, okay, what's good and bad copy? Do I know the difference between the two? And thankfully, you know, once you're a copywriter, you actually become friends with other copywriters. You can message them like, hey, I saw your headline. I'd fix it. Do you mind if I give you if i read through your copy or they'll send you hey could you read through my work and you read through and go i changed this this and this and they change it and then their conversions go up and then they send you a message going okay the conversion really went well thanks for checking that thing out um always installs a level of confidence in you which is lovely but going back to your point which is very very powerful is no matter what results you have i mean like to give you guys an idea of stefan's greatness and why i'm so excited to have him on here 
I think at one point you dominated nearly every ClickBank um, thing that you were like product that you went after at one point, right? Yeah, we had pretty much every health category, and, not, and also like uh, like energy and kind of like uh, aquaponics and self defense. And yeah, we were as either eight or nine of the top ten offers in ClickBank were all written by me, and it lasted for like a year and a half, two years. Um, yeah, so pretty good one there. That's pretty fucking badass. And if we're both telling you that we still go back and have that student mindset of reading things, you guys shouldn't be like skimping on that, like ever. Yeah. Because sometimes, and I say this all the time because I've picked up one of one of my favorite headlines I ever picked up was by reading uh, someone else's headline for um, the Millionaire Fast Lane as like a blog post mm-hmm. review. And it wasn't this exact one, but they said, if you can't do something, I can't remember what it was, um, then you don't have, then you don't have shit. Like you don't have savings, whatever it is. Right. Like you're not going to be a millionaire if you can't do the, you don't have this one skill. So I turned around and I turned that into, if you can't make, if you can't come up with $2,000 in 30 days, you will never be, you will not be good at sales. Right. I think that was the thing that we did because we were pushing it. And then of course I went ahead and wrote the entire letter around it, sold sure. it. And you know, my client did God, 500,000 with that. Yeah, I was like half a million on like one tweak because we didn't change yeah, the rest amazing. of the copy. We just changed the headline. Crazy right. what you can do. But kind of like taking it back from that because I want to go into the process of how, not so much process of how you think um, in that way, but like how do you split up your time on a day-to-day? Because again, you're a dad um, and you work, you have clients uh, that you work with and you also have this mastermind. How do you split up your day so you actually have enough time to do everything and still get time to rest? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and it is an ongoing challenge, especially now that I'm a dad, uh, because, you know, my daughter goes to bed at like about 730 every night. And, you know, I have an office, I've got like, a, I also own like a call center of like 50 plus agents and it's growing. However, I'm very hands off with that. I've got a really good leadership team. So I don't have I, I am fortunately, it's like the one business I've ever started where it's like grown a bunch and it's profitable and I don't do anything. And it's like the capitalist kind of entrepreneur's dream. Um, but you know, I do, uh, I come to the office every day, but yeah, it cuts my day short because I, I try to, you know, leave every day by four, you know, four thirty, Um, and so I can spend, you know, several hours with my daughter in the evenings. Uh, sometimes I work from home. So it, it is, it's, there's more of a demand in my time. And I don't really like to work after that. Like every now and then I might go back and work from like, you know, seven thirty to nine thirty or 10, if there's just something I'm really motivated on. Um, but I try to then de-stress and relax and spend time with, with Laura, my wife and everything. And so, um, you know, the biggest thing for me, I, the biggest mistake I made in 2018 was trying to do too much. I started to try to like launch this affiliate network and then we were doing uh, like a branding division and we we're doing like uh, just, just way too much shit basically. Um, and yeah, so part of it is, is saying no to a ton of stuff and also, being very ruthlessly protective of your time, which I've started doing. Like I, you know, I, right, right now as we're talking, I have eight different kind of, uh, messages in Skype. And by that, I mean, eight different people or chats that have all have notifications for, cause I can see in the bottom of my thing, uh, you know, I'll probably check after this call, but then I won't respond to most of them. And then I'll quit Skype and I'll keep Skype off. I may not have Skype open again for the rest of the day. Um, you know, same thing with Facebook, even, Slack for my internal team. I used to have it open all the time. Now I just close it. And so, because that stuff, it, it's so easy to get distracted, but none of that is the biggest sort of revenue driving, needle moving stuff for me. And so I generally try and keep my mornings open 
to write copy for the first two to three hours. And then I also try and keep my afternoons open where I can write copy from, you know, maybe one to four or something like that. And I sort of schedule my bullshit distraction time in between those things. So like I might know, okay, I'm writing copy today from eight to 1030 from 1030 to 1130. I have like a free pass to just completely dick around. I want to go respond to Skype messages. Great. I want to go on Slack. Great. I want to look at real estate on Zillow. Great. Whatever it is like, um, you know, that's my time. And then when it's done, it's effing done. And then I'm back to writing for another couple hours. Uh, I have also found that, you know, or, you know, the copy, the mastermind, just to, to, to talk about that too. I mean, cause that's Tuesdays, 10 a.m. Pacific time. It goes for about three and a half hours. I know I'm going to spend the morning. So the first like two or three hours before the mastermind preparing for the call, I might spend some time the evening before. Uh, and then I know that basically I'm going to check Facebook a couple times uh, per day to reply to people's inquiries and questions and, and comments about it and stuff like that. So um, it's being really ruthlessly efficient and just, it, it's a mental shift, but just like even email, right? And, I, and I've got emails from people. And I, I feel like a dick sometimes. Like somebody who I really think is an awesome person might email me and I might not reply back for a week or I might completely forget. And it's like, a, you know, I'm not trying to be, I'm not big timing them. I'm not being like a dick. I just am like that. If I start doing emails, that's going to become an hour. And in an hour, how much copy can I write? How much can I, how many people can I help in my mastermind and things like that? And then the, the other thing is there's this paradoxical component to me, which is when you are ruthlessly efficient with your time and you do focus on those needle moving things like you, and then you, and then you stop. Um, it just, you end up actually getting more done because you're more motivated and more excited and refreshed when you're doing it. So like today I'm going golfing with my best friend at 3 PM and then we're going to a, we have a minor league baseball team in Las Vegas and we're, they have a brand new stadium. So we're going to the game at seven. So basically about two o'clock today, uh, I have a call for client at one. So basically at one o'clock I have a call for client or a prospective client and then two o'clock I'm done. And then it's going to leave me wanting to do more, but I, I and I don't, don't want to ramble too much, but one other thought is like, one thing Ernest Hemingway would always do, and he's one of my kind of literary heroes because he was one of the greatest writers of all time. Um, he is, he would always talk about uh, stopping kind of in the middle of a sentence or in the middle of saying, right when you're really, like when you're really in the zone, like stopping then and then just shutting it off for the rest of the day. Because then when you come back the next day, you're always, you have that prompt and you're always excited and you're ready to, to you want to jump right back in. And so I think it's the same thing here. It's like if I go for 10 hours straight, which I do every now and then and can do, um, but the next day there's a better chance I'm going to be burned out and way less motivated. But if I go for you know four or five really hard hours and I know I have another five hours in me, then the next day that just carries over. And I'm really, so there's just more motivation every day by approaching it that way. Okay, see, that is way better because that just makes life a lot, that just makes way more sense for me. So thank you yeah. for sharing that because that's something that I myself, uh, struggle with from time to time is yeah. being able to go for like hours on end um, because I have this weird addiction as my friend has so lovely put it but she's so put it she's put it in such a lovely way which is um, I'm addicted to adrenaline so I like to have my back against the wall and be like screw this I got it and go fight right. and that burns me out like yesterday I wrote a lot of copy today I am lethargic as fuck Totally. Like, I think I've only managed to write half an email for a client today. And I'm like, <laughs> my day's not done yet. I've got a little bit of work left to do tonight, which is mostly just consulting work. So that's simple because I can get in front of the camera and do that. That's just talking. But sitting down to write, I've already put it in my calendar. Like, tomorrow I'm going to get up early. 
And I'm just going to schedule my time a little bit better because I, I love the fact that you, because one of the takeaways you just gave me right now was how you are ruthless with your efficiency. Because yeah. the problem I have is, cool, I'm going to work from like 7.30 to like 10.30 on this thing. 7.30 comes, I'll get a text message. I'm just so wired to check my phone. Totally. And it's something that I, I know that I need to unlearn. I need to reprogram properly, which is why, again, it's more or less just the case of like making sure I have limited time to dick around, as you basically put it. So this brings me on to like one of my favorite questions. And we kind of touched upon quite a lot of this. And I'm going to ask you... Actually, no, I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm going to ask you something else. I'll ask that one in a moment. Who would you say would be like the top five people that you admire in like as copywriters or writers in general, really, that you kind of go, okay, everyone should really know about this person? Like, who are those five? It's a good question. Um, I mean, John Carlson, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chris Dad is a great copywriter, and I think he's really great to study because he is – I love emotional – crazy story driven copy, which is what, you know, Chris does. I do a lot of it as well. Um, he's really great at just sort of taking you into the action, like mid scene. It's like the movie that opens in the middle of like a bank heist with like a high amount of tension and Mm. you're not sure how, what's going to happen, but you're immediately captivated. That's how his, you know, kind of his leads are and, and his copy. And so I I really think Chris Adad's, you know, uh, worth studying for that reason. Um, yeah. Dan Ferrari, uh, I think, is a, one of the, the kind of better active copywriters right now. Uh, he is cool. I, you know, we've talked a couple of times over the years. We're not super close or anything like that. But, uh, you know, he, he, it just seems like from some of the, the most recent stuff I've seen him do, like he's really kind of been hitting his stride and, and just doing some excellent stuff. He wrote this piece called Genesis, which is for a uh, kind of a supplement, a telomere supplement. And I know it did extremely well. Uh, and the lead is just like really uh, kind of spell, like storytelling, you get spellbound in it. Uh, it. It's just really excellent. So I think Dan Ferrari is, is in that conversation. Um, a guy a lot of people probably don't know, I'm not sure, maybe they do, uh, but who's really impressive and cool is uh, Evaldo Albuquerque. He's with Agora. He's one of, um, he's basically like the copy head for one of their divisions. I met him, he came to my copy intensive, which to be honest with you made me, uh, really nervous because like he, he wrote the, the Altschler piece for Agora that was all over Facebook until Facebook, you know, kicked off uh, crypto. Um, yeah. But he's written several other good pieces. I mean, he's one of their best covers and he's from, I'm pretty sure he's from Brazil. He was in Miami now. And it's like, he learned English like eight years ago and he's just writing these like massive controls doing tens of millions. I'm sure he's already grossed well over a hundred million dollars with his copy. And it's like English is not only his second language, but he just learned English a little while ago, but he just gets copy so well that he's been able to, you know, kind of uh, create all these awesome winners. So I just think he's, you know, extremely inspiring. Um, yeah, gosh, there's so many. And I feel like you know, the only problem with this question with there being five is then you feel like a, a dick for leaving people off. Well, um, well, but yeah. Let's put it this way. I'm not, I don't think anyone's going to feel like a dick because the, these, the people that you kind of brought on, like Dan Ferrari, who's the Brazilian dude that you just spoke about right now? Evaldo. Yeah, Evaldo. Evaldo. Yeah. Yeah, that dude, I don't know him, and I'm already, like, looking him up, like, right yeah. now, because these are, like, different people that I don't, I'm not aware of. I'm like, holy crap, there's, like, more people, because I don't fly out to the States right now. Like, I will be, but right. I'm flying out to the States in, like, a really long time. So, it's kind of weird when you, like, I've realized most of the copywriters are actually in the U.S., even though, like, the U.K. has a definite amount of copyrights, so the majority live overseas in the U.S., 
Right. <clears throat> but what I was getting at was like, if, if there's anyone that feels offended that they didn't make the list, um, I'm just going to say right now, don't worry about it. Like, I know there are some people that would be like friends with you that would be like, oh, damn, I wish I made that list. Doesn't matter. This I asked him for five. If I asked him for a hundred, we'd be here all day, basically naming different copyrights. Going, yeah, but what about this guy? And debating exactly. whether they go in the top one hundred. It's insane because there's so many great copywriters, and also there what are. constitutes a great copywriter as well is a whole lot other argument. Um, but that being said, the question I did want to ask you, and this is kind of a fun one for me, uh, because I kind of have a, okay. I'm gonna try and discount it before the birth of your daughter, just simply because I feel like you may some of this may actually fall into that category. Uh, and there is one other question that I just remembered right now about you and Laura that I need to ask. Um, so the first question is basically, so if you had to name five books, I love the number five for some reason today. Uh, if you had to name five books and the caveat was this, three of those had to be nonfiction books for people to pick up. And two of them could either be fiction books or just movies that you recommend people either pick up or watch. What would they be? Interesting. Um, you have to give me a second to compile my mental list here, oh, okay. but I can do it for sure. <laughs> Gosh. Oh my God. There's so many. Um, you can actually hear his brain like creaking. Over <laughs> right now. I know. Well, this is almost as hard as the copier. I think cause I, I love to read them. I'm, I'm kind of like a, a bibliophile or whatever. And um, so, yeah, I mean, okay. So a 20 marketing uh, by Perry Marshall. A20 Sales and Marketing. Uh, I just was recently, actually not recently, like this morning. So one other thing I'm doing back to the time stuff is when I wake up, first thing I do is I, mean, I brush my teeth and everything, but then I make coffee. I drink my coffee at home and then I drive to my office. Uh, and historically what I do is go into my, my home office and get on the computer and read the Wall Street Journal or, you know, I like, I like sports to so go to like, you know, read about my sports teams or maybe whatever. And then what would happen though, is like, oh, I already have some Skype messages. Let me reply to those. I already have some Slack messages. Let me reply to those. Somebody hit me up on Facebook. Let me reply. So my mind is like all over the place by the time I get to my office. So I've stopped doing that. And now I wake up in the morning, make my coffee and I just read like a chapter of a book. And it takes like 10 minutes, 15 minutes to drink the coffee and read the book. It's not like, but I've just found that that's been making a huge difference in my life for whatever reason. And so recently I, I grabbed 8020 80, sales and marketing by, by Perry Marshall, which I had not read in a while, but it was very influential to me a few years back. And so I recommend that book because A, the 80-20 principle and kind of concept is just absolutely a real thing. Uh, and that entire book is about working smarter instead of harder. And I just think that even as I read it now, you know, again, successful, sold hundreds of millions of dollars worth of stuff and have my own companies that have sold, you know, tens of millions of dollars of stuff in single years and all that shit. Like, um, and, and parts of it are pretty quote unquote, like basic, it's still, you still get takeaways from it. And I just, so that's book number one or one of them. So this isn't a ranked order, but that's one of them. Yeah. Um, the book Sapiens, which I did a Facebook video about a little while ago. And it's by, I want to say Yavul, Yavul Harari, Yavul Harari. I don't know how to say the guy's I know name. I about, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Sapiens is really great. And I think that <laughs> I think it's got like a kid's book report there. I think it's great. Um, but like it's like a fifth grade book report. But um, you just sound that in the front of the room. Yeah, it's great. Dude, I actually have a funny story I'm going to tell you in a second. But um, it, uh, you know, it, it's all about the history of human, humankind, basically, right? And, and But you look at it and you just get all these takeaways about the way humans sort of, you know, evolved. And I guess if you're, you're really 
fundamentalist Christian, the book will probably offend you a lot. But, um, you know, the fact that we evolved, basically storytelling is a mechanism that allowed humans to grow from small little groups of people to massive groups of people. Being able to, to st tell stories and create myths and common shared myths that we could all believe in, and he would include you know, religion in that, which is why it could be offensive to people. But regardless of that, even if you want to look at other things like the gods of, of our you know, great ancestors or whatever, it was basically this, this ability of humans to uh, create these, these common shared myths and believe in them that, that's allowed us to organize and to go from you know, groups of 150 to, to cities with 10 million, 15 million people in them. And it's not just religion, right? It, it's the myth of uh, the nation state is a myth, really, when you look at it, it doesn't exist. There's nothing physical about it. Corporations are a myth. Um, all these things are basically myths. They're not real. There's no tangible reality to them, really. Uh, and so basically, like, that's just one takeaway from it. Uh, humans also basically, we think maybe humans evolved language so that we could gossip, which is like, sounds funny, but then that gossip helped us to, again, to, to, to beat out all the other animals and rise to, the, rise to the top of the food chain. And the reason why is because if you've got a group of like 150 people together and you can be like, oh, that person is a loose cannon, don't trust him, or hey, like he's sleeping with her and she's sleeping with him. And so like, you know, there's that dynamic going on. So be careful because you, you're going to create disharmony. All these like things of gossip got us to where we were able to have a more cohesive kind of society. So both tribally and, and even today. And so then you look at that and you're like, wow, so we're wired for storytelling and gossip. There's definitely some applications I can take and apply to my copy right then and there. Right. And so, mm -hmm. and, and there's just, so Sapiens is full of gems like that. Um, I love Anti-Fragile by Nassim Taleb and basically everything else that he writes. Uh, so he's like basically was an, an options trader and like a risk assessor. Uh, and he's like an academic and a philosopher and, but his writing is very accessible. Uh, and basically, you know, it's hard. All of his books are good. Anti-Fragile is basically the concept of, you know, we have the, um, there was like no good uh, antonym or opposite for fragility. So if, if fragility is something that, you know, kind of is vulnerable and that breaks or falls apart under stress or chaos or exertion of force, then, you know, what's the opposite of that? And people say like durable. It's like, no, that just means it, it, it's hard to break. That's not really an opposite of it. But, you know, anti-fragility is something that, that can grow, gain, and benefit from chaos and disorder. And so the concept there being that if you can make yourself, your life, your business, uh, like literally anything in your, that, any part of your reality anti-fragile so that you're not, there's not this huge downside. You're protecting against the downside, basically, right? And so if there's a terrible, you know, something, when that, basically your steps So whenever something bad happens or adversity happens, instead of looking at it as you're a victim or now you are fragile too and you fall apart, if you're anti-fragile, you find ways to gain and grow from that chaos or that adversity or whatever it is. And so that's an extremely powerful concept to me and another one I would recommend. Um, thanks. Yeah. And then Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. I, I just, that's sort of arbitrary. Like you could also do, in fact, maybe I would change it to A Farewell to Arms and then I really love For Whom the Bell Tolls, but I think if you're looking at it for the, the short kind of classic simple prose, you know, you go with one of his earlier books. So, you know, Sun Also Rises or Farewell to Arms. And then that's four because I was keeping track for five. Oh, my gosh. It's just so hard. I mean, you know, maybe like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Oh, no, you um, hit three already, by the way. Oh, did I? Yeah. Well, I think that's five total now. 80, no, 20, anti-fragile. 
Sapiens, 80-20, Anti-Fragile, Sun also rises, S4, and now Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Fair enough. All right, I'll give you that. Okay, cool. That's fine. I was going to say, I'm going to add one more one more book to your list. I don't know if you've read Please. it yet. Um, 48, uh, the, the, the Laws of Human Nature. I have not read that. Okay, um, that is a book that I will recommend either you pick up or send me your address and I'll send over to you because I think it's essential for any copywriter to read. Yeah, um, I'm all about it. Yeah, this, like, Robert Greene's book is... In, actually, do you prefer audiobooks or um, physical books? I'm physical. Fair enough, cool. Um, but yeah, no, like, he he's incredible. Like, that book, I think I bought that book for, like, four of my friends, like, just when it came out. It's like, yeah, here you guys go, read it, because it has every... It, it dissects psychology on such a level that's even to a point of tribalism, to a point of uh, general, like, generational, uh, generationalism. Um, how each generation actually has four different turns of before I actually rebuild. Mm. So you have like the way that they, they didn't say this in the book, but this, I've seen this said this way uh, once before. It's like the person that went to war to fight for your freedoms, the second generation actually understands and, you know, respects those freedoms because they saw it firsthand. The third right. generation starts to question those freedoms and rebel. And by the fourth generation, it's completely like seen as arbitrary and archaic. So they must have a revolution of their own. Mm, I've heard I've heard this concept before. I don't know if it was. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. Although it's also terrifying. Oh, you know, dude. Um, Entirely. Stephen right. Stephen Bannon from Breitbart. I heard in the context of that that he he believes in that theory, which is sort of was kind of scary when he was in the president's cabinet in a way because he believes I think we're in like stage three or four of that, and you're like. You know, I guess, look, again, going back to being anti-fragile, I think you can be afraid of revolutions or you can be like, how how could I grow and, and come out with upside from a revolution, right? And like, so, you know, you look at the French Revolution and or whatever, the aristocrats who were getting beheaded. Um, but I think if you find the ones who didn't, it's like, what do they do differently? Yeah, how um, did they survive? Yeah, yeah, how did they survive? And I think you go back to that. And not only survive, right, but how did they come out even, you know, stronger and and and, you know, you see that in every revolution, there's the people who kind of, uh, who get with the times and the people who resist. And I think, you know, I would probably wouldn't be a resistor. I mean, unless the revolution was something, you know, morally unconscionable, which I, I couldn't, or unconscionable, which I couldn't, you know, get behind. Like if our revolution was like, we're going to kill all homosexuals, you know, something terrible that I obviously couldn't get behind that. But assuming this is sort of like a, you know, we're a shift that maybe I wouldn't be behind, like you, the guys, you don't want to be left behind, right? You don't want to be left in like the, the ash heap or the dustbin of, of history. You want to be able to evolve and, and move, kind of move forward. Yeah, no, I totally ag agree with you on that one. There is, there, there is a lot to be said about knowing your audience and what you say to that audience. And that yeah. doesn't just mean copywriting. That also means in real life and jokes and everything else because you never know who you can offend. So that's actually exactly. quite interesting that's there. So real quick before we uh, wrap up, because there's a couple, I, if I could keep going, I would, because I swear to God, I could talk to you like for days. So we'd have <laughs> to like up around two if you're up for it. Sure, um, of course. But I was going to say the other question I had, because I do have this with my junior writer, because um, Laura is a copywriter herself as well. And she's a phenomenal copywriter, what she does from what I remember, because it's been a while since I've spoken to her. Right. Um, how do you guys find that balance of working together? Because like he has a whole thing where he writes ads but his uh, his partner, she does as well, and they just end up arguing rather than collaborating. <laughs> right. Yeah, we uh, and we don't work together very closely on most stuff. There's times where, you know, 
I might see like something that's working and be like, Hey, if you want to create an offer around this, I think you could do well. And we've done that a few times and it's, it's usually worked out in 2018. It backfired, not because the offer didn't do well, but because the economics of it weren't great. Um, so then we ended up losing a couple hundred grand between the two of us on it, which was unfortunate. Um, it's also part of just being in business though. Right. Uh, but even then we didn't, it, we couldn't, we didn't let it kind of create stress in our relationship, but you know, really today, uh, she, she's working on a, her own brand right now that I don't want to talk about too much cause it's still in development. But, um, you know, we, we generally, we talk shop a lot. We talk business a lot. We both love business. Uh, I will send her a lot of my copy to review. Still, I've been doing that since we first met and, you know, I don't know if I just want the approval. It's not just that actually I want her approval feedback cause she's really sharp and, and smart. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It just hasn't been an issue. I think because she's not really writing copy actively. She hasn't written copy for clients for a couple of years now, at least. And, um, you know, we, we just try and keep, we try to work together too closely on stuff so that we don't have those problems. That's really smart. And, um, one last thing I wanted to ask you, oh, shit, that was, that was it. This is a whole nother subsection that we can go into, but just a question for next time, really. Um, or maybe you might be able to answer this quickly. I don't know. Um, copyright is a struggle at asking for higher fees. What is your take on that? Like, as in what, what advice would you give them to increase their fees if they're what, if they're good at what they do? Yeah. If they're good at what they do, then gosh, I mean, the reason it's hard is because I want to say just like freaking ask, right. But I understand there's a challenge. There's a self-worth issue and I used to have it as well. Um, and I think part of it, you maybe get comes from, you really need the sale, right? So if you're like making five grand a month or maybe seven grand a month as a copywriter, which sounds great, but maybe you've got, you know, because of that, now you live in a place where your rent's like two grand a month. And so that's, well, that's a lot of your, your kind of monthly nut. Um, and you know, maybe you went on a vacation with your wife or your spouse or by yourself and you know, you spent two or three grand and cool, but Oh shit, now I need money. So I guess one thing is, okay, become work on becoming, financially independent or having enough cash flow coming in um, predictably that you're not so attached to closing any single client. I mean, I quote people my high fees. I charge a, a ton. Um, I, a lot of people say yeah to me because of my track record. And I'll, I'll get to that part in a second. But a lot of people still say no to me. Or they kind of lowball me and come back like with something that a lot of guys and girls listening to this would, would probably think was like, you know, a dream amount of money, but for me, it's just not worth it. Right. So for example, if I usually charge like $50,000 for sales copy, which is accurate. Um, and sometimes it's more, and sometimes I'll go last book for a really nice royalty deal or whatever. Uh, you know, I have one client who I wrote two offers for them. One offer, I know it's grossed a couple million dollars already. Uh, the other offer they never really launched. So I don't know if it's good or not, but I thought it was good. Uh, and then they wanted to do a, you know, a new offer and they're basically like, you know, they have a guy on their team is a financial guy. And he's like, what if I, you know, basically can you do two new ones for $25,000, which means I'd be doing them for $12,500 each when I usually charge 50,000. And it was basically just like, you know, no. And I was like, well, we want to give you a ton. We want to do a ton of work together. And it was just like, no. And I was like, I'm happy to recommend other copywriters to you and do referrals or whatever it is, but you know, no. And ultimately they came back and paid me what I wanted for it. Um, and so, but I can have that independence because I have a lot of high paying clients. I have revenue streams from my mastermind. I've got a revenue stream coming in. Um, and so I guess the one thing is right. Be, going back to not being, to being anti-fragile. Um, it, it's that you should really try to, you know, get into a position where you don't need to say to, to, it's not going to ruin your life if you don't get the client. 
Um, and then once you're there, you need to just start doing it and you need to be detached from the outcome and accept that people are going to say no. Um, because eventually someone's going to say, yeah, going back to the 80, 20 rule, right? Even if 80, 80 people, you know, 80% of the people say no, 20% are going to say yes. And they're probably going to be better clients because not only are they paying you more, but they probably know what they're doing if they're willing to pay you more, which means your offer has a higher chance of having success, which as a result, you have a higher chance of getting, demanding more higher fees in the future because you now have even a better track record. And so that's sort of probably the most important thing. Uh, if I was going to add anything else to it, uh, I would say if you can demonstrate the ROI, that's really helpful too. So going back to my thing for a, like a, a supplement offer, like I, I charge $50,000. Like someone's like, that's a lot of money. I'm like, yeah, but let's be real here. Like I kind of know your economics of your offer and you know, you're looking at about a 20% kind of gross profit margin, right? Or it ain't gross, actually net profit margin. Uh, and so, okay, 20%, what does that mean? It means if you do $250,000 in revenue, 20% net profit is $50,000, that's my fee. If you're not planning on doing at least $250,000 in revenue from this offer, then we shouldn't be working together because the goal is that you do at least a million dollars in revenue. If you do a million dollars in revenue, that's $200,000 net profit. It means it was a 4x return on your money for hiring me. And if we hit out of the park and do $10 million in revenue, that's a 40x return. And so you know, by doing it that way, I think it also helps them to understand the economics because it's not about what you're paying me, it's what the return on the investment is going to be. And so I, I, you know, I, I think if you can kind of break that down for a client and help show them how the, you know, why it makes sense, uh, that also you know, helps tremendously too. That is awesome. That is actually a masterclass for everyone. And we've gone a little bit over time, which is fine by me, but I just say, Stefan, thank you so much for being here today and actually uh, sharing like your time and actual knowledge today means the world to me. Um, guys, if you go to copyandfunnels.com forward slash outline. Oh, it's actually just, just, it's sorry. a long domain, but yeah. <laughs> oh, God damn it. I just gave you guys a different domain. Shit. Sorry about that. That's not the one. Sorry. It's copy and funnels accelerator, copy and funnel accelerator, not funnels, copy and funnel accelerator.com forward slash outline. Strike what I said before. Um, we'll have <laughs> it in the, uh, shout out to my friend, Nathan, but like, we'll basically have all the right links in the show notes and the description below. Uh, and make sure you check out his sales letter to outline it, it. It's good. It's really good. As for, for a guy that has his own, I can tell you his is fucking amazing. Um, Stefan, again, as always, thank you for being here, my friend. And I look forward to speaking to you real soon. And my love to Laura and your little one. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate you uh, having me on. And, and let's do this again sometime uh, before long. For sure. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.